Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. I had a really interesting chat with um, with this incredible luthier from Flame Guitars today. Lovely guy, producing incredible stuff. And we were chatting, we chatted about all things, uh, his work and the guitars he was making, which was stunning. Mm. Some Harley Bentons that he, that he equally thought were churning out some great guitars <laughs> as modding <laughs> platforms that even he had fun. Interesting to hear a luthier actually say right? that. Because you know, yeah. he can make a guitar and some, and when you look and at he what he can, guitars. oh my yeah. God, the guy is an artist and a craftsman, it's stunning. But even he said he likes messing around with some Harley Bentons and just seeing how good he can make them because yeah. what they're churning out is great. And he actually had something really profound to say he said you know all these vintage instruments you see here he said he loves them i mean like like we all love them he yeah. said he's a he's a he's a fan of guitars right but he said what you have to remember is that you know these guitars were built in like the early you know mid 50s late 50s early 60s what remains are the good ones Greetings! Welcome back to the Guitar Smarts Podcast. If you're an everyday gigging guitarist, this is the podcast for you. A couple of weeks back on the 30th of October, Kieran and me managed to get down to the London International Guitar Show at Kempton Park. And it was a fantastic show. Every vintage guitar you could hope to see. Lots of new guitars too. Expensive and inexpensive. Just some utterly brilliant new luthiers and some more familiar luthier names too. After a good few hours on our feet, we sat down for some lunch. And believe it or not, we recorded our first ever face-to-face Guitar Smarts episode. The audio quality is not the best, but the conversation is good, and we particularly enjoyed this episode. Housekeeping. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred podcast app. This way, you will get alerts when a new podcast is released, and that means you won't miss the next show. If you've already liked and subscribed, thank you, and listen to us regularly, then use the link tree in the description of this show to leave us a rating or a review. This is the best way to support us, and it helps us to grow. Use those links to get to our buy me a coffee page if you do feel generous and links to some of our spotify playlists from previous episodes too come and see us on the socials especially on the guitar geek hangout page on facebook where you can interact with karen and myself and many other guitar nerds just like us that's about enough from me let's get to it it's been an exhausting morning but really fantastic um so we're here at the London International Guitar we Show. Yeah, we've managed to we've this managed to steal some space to, yeah. you, to get and it. this is the first time we've ever podcast podcasted face to face. 
Oh, that's true. Isn't it? That is true. Oh, bizarre, is that? And yeah. we're on location. We are on cool. location. So um, we're at we're at Kempton Park Racecourse. Yeah. yeah. It's 30th of October. Yeah. We've just managed to stop, grab a drink, <laughs> grab a sandwich, which yeah. is much needed. Yeah. Because uh, we have literally been traipsing up and down for the last few hours. One hell of a shot, isn't it? I'm a little bit overstimulated. Not very much <laughs> overstimulated. Yeah. <laughs> Completely overstimulated. There's everything here. From There's everything. From 59 Les Pauls, 1960s Gibson collections. That's it, yeah. 54 Fender Strats. Mm-hmm. The Holy Grails of guitars are here. In Kempton Park. In Kempton Park. That's right. All the way down to £149. Yeah. Les Paul. So, uh, I tried. £149 Les Paul, a new range of guitars. Which was actually quite good. To talk about. Yeah. Um, and yeah. everything in between. And people selling all the accessories you could want, people selling all the different parts you could actually yeah. want, everything. Yeah. Basically, here in this, it's not a very big show, is it? I mean, we're not talking yeah. like a... It's not like Excel Centre or kind of like no. one of those big exhibition exactly. centre shows. It's in a, I guess the original concept of these shows, and they do a few of them across the UK mm-hmm. right throughout the year, was to try to replicate those tabletop, guitar stand yeah. shows that you that, that are in America right yeah. where you can just rock up and, you know hopefully find that dream guitar on sale so I think it's the UK's attempt at, at, at doing one of those and I've never been to one of those American no. shows that Joe Bonamassa would go and frequent as a child on guitar safari Joe would have loved it here today well he would, there's a lot of vintage stuff that he would have probably and in fact bought. actually what surprised me most is that I, like the, the, the first 59 we saw was actually about 10 steps away from the front door. Literally. So, like, yeah, it started he would, well. He wouldn't have had to have gone far before he getting the, he's getting the American Express. Out. That's it. <laughs> go, go fully on safari. Something would have been shot within the first five minutes on his safari. But you did say on the car journey up here, you said, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in seeing some vintage stuff. And there yeah. it was. Yeah. Within, within five minutes, mm. we were face-to-face... Yeah. No glass. No. no. No no velvet rope to speak of. No. Literally. Not at all. It's not like being at the Louvre. It's not. <laughs> you know. It's just there. It's the on a tabletop so. in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Here's a, here's a touch a, it if you want. £300,000 was the... F- it was two... Yeah, exactly. £300,000 was the yeah. price of that first yeah. vintage. And it was a 60. It was a 1960. It was. It was. Um, beautiful guitar next to another 1960. Um quite astounding really to have been around that instrument but I didn't feel how I felt I'd, I'd, I'd feel it didn't start glowing <laughs> you didn't hear a chorus of angels yeah I don't know ah. I, don't even, I, I guess I'm just kind of like I don't know if I see these instruments the same way a lot of people see them yeah. I, I don't get me wrong it's amazing yeah 300,000 pounds yeah come on do you know what I felt the same yeah, it's really. the first time I've been that physically up close literally I mean yeah. there was nothing yeah. between us and the guitar it was there as exactly. you if you wanted to yeah. you could pick it up I would expect there to be like a security guard standing there like but yeah. there wasn't yeah. it was just there yeah. and the guys from the, that particular yeah. stall were just yeah. circling and asking you know do you need any help do you want it? but no one was like no looking at you to say why don't, what did you say don't look at it too closely or age but I kind of looked at it and went I felt the same I went yeah it is just a guitar I think that's that's exactly <laughs> that's the I think that's the realisation I had looking yeah. at it was yeah. if I pick this up you know what it's going to feel like yeah. a Les Paul it's, good. it's just going to feel like a Les Paul yeah. if yeah. I have to pick that up and play it I'm sure <clears throat> that if I spent £300,000 on that guitar, yeah. I would be completely and utterly underwhelmed. 
for, you know, if well, I yeah. spent two, five grand on it, something yeah. like that. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you'd also have some sort of blood pressure issues because you'd have a hole in your side where the kidney had been taken from you to That's fund true. it. <laughs> so you, I don't think anyone's going to buy my <laughs> kidney for £300,000. Okay. Mine's done enough work already. <laughs> um, but it is kind of like a... I don't know. I'm maybe underwhelming. I, I, I don't think you could be that impressed by it unless you're seeing it in the hands of someone who can really show you how a guitar like that should sound and sure. be played, you know. Sure. I don't know. But um but one th- one of the things I was intrigued by, I've said this before, yeah, you know, is um the amount of money you, you need to spend to get into the vintage market oh, on yeah. other guitars <clears throat> yeah. is totally accessible. Yeah, you know, isn't it? Well, on that same stand, yeah, uh, with these fifty-nine, uh, sorry, nineteen sixty original bursts. As you literally walked a few paces, you know, from three hundred thousand mm-hmm. pound guitars, you then had a whole set of nineteen sixties SGs, mm-hmm. uh, early sixties SGs, for two. Two and a half, three, three and a half grand. Yeah. Uh, And then a few paces on, there was some 335s on that same stand. Again, you know, we're talking, I can't remember how much 335s were, but they were around four or five grand maybe. They had like a 65 um, um, 335, um, dot 335 Mm. in like a walnut finish. Oh, that was beautiful. That was about four grand, I think. Four, right. four and a half grand. Yeah. And it's like, it's Murphy Lab money, isn't it? And this is the it's thing. less it's, than Murphy Lab it money. It is, yeah. But, but I guess there's some, the key thing is, is the the price of, I think the price of a lot of Gibson um, Murphy Lab guitars is propped up by a select number of really uber desirable mm, for sure. Gibson guitars mm. like you know, late late fifties Les Pauls. What's that? Um, early early sixties and late fifties three three fives. and um, that might be it. Some like Karina stuff. Um, you yeah. know, some there's, there's some like vintage Gibson instruments that mm. do mm. command a lot of money. Mm. And outside of that, you, you can take one set. One side, you know, if you get a 64, 65 mm. cherry original um, 335, you're paying, you know, five figures. Mm. But if you just get the same guitar and a different finish, you're paying less than you're paying Murphy Lab money now. That's true. So why not take that sidestep and get yeah. into the vintage market and get an amazing guitar? Yeah. Um, but not pay the premium because you're choosing the colour everyone wants. For Why sure. not just choose something like a, For sure. a walnut finish or something like that? And, yeah. and then you can save a lot of money and get yeah. yourself a bona fide, yeah. made by the same people, yeah. you know, from wherever. Do you know what? Um, I, I, I think it'll be a, a little while before I spend that kind of money on a guitar again. Um It's a lot of money for something, as we've talked about, you know, we weekends or you know gigging guitarists where you're probably not going to rock up to a gig with a five grand ten grand vintage instrument but you know 
these are investment pieces that do hold their value or, or, if, or if nothing else, slightly appreciate in value depending on the model you get. And maybe there will be a point in my life again where I want to, I've got young kids now and kids are expensive, man, but maybe there will come a point in my life again where I think, you know what, I'm going to mark this occasion with a really considered purchase of something really, you know, as an yeah. heirloom piece or yeah. something. I definitely think now I would go and find out like some of the vintage stuff that we've seen here today that isn't a yeah. 59 or a 60s burst or isn't, you know, one of those fabled years from Gibson's history where it just commands a ridiculous sum because that Walnut 335, that it was a mid-60s one that you saw for three, four grand was stunning. Absolutely stunning. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you can't go and buy we can barely go and buy a brand new off-the-shelf standard factory production one for one of the, uh, for, for that money now. They're, they're going for two yeah. and a half uh, grand mm. straight away. Mm. And you think, actually, you know, to your point, the entry position into the vintage market for some really cool stuff, not just yeah. from Gibson, because we've seen it here from Fender, exactly. we've seen some, some early PRS stuff yeah. here, we've seen some a lot of vintage stuff actually... It's if you pick the right model, you can get some really cool stuff. It's yeah. it's it's where you get drawn to the. Oh, I really really want a fifty nine Gibson burst that yeah. everyone covets, and that's why it's 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 supply and demand and its popularity. Exactly. And I had a really interesting chat with um with this incredible luthier from Flame Guitars today. Lovely guy, producing incredible stuff. Um, and we were chatting, we chatted about all things, uh, his work and the guitars he was making, which was stunning. Mm. Uh, some Harley Bentons that he, that he equally thought were churning out some great guitars <laughs> as modding <laughs> platforms that even he had fun. Interesting to hear a luthier actually say right? that. Because you know, yeah. he can make a guitar and some, and when you look and at what he can, oh guitars. my yeah. God, the guy's an artist and a craftsman, it was stunning. But even he said he likes messing around with some Harley Bentons and just seeing how good he can make them because yeah. what they're churning out is great. And he actually had something really profound to say. He said, you know, all these vintage instruments you see here, he said he loves them. I mean, like, like we all love them. He said, yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a fan of guitars, right? But he said, what you have to remember is that, you know, these guitars were built in like the early, you know, mid-50s, late-50s, early-60s. What remains are the good ones. Yeah. That yeah. have stood the test of time. Yeah. So when people try them now, they go, oh, God, yeah, that was the best year that Gibson ever made stuff. He yeah. said, I've seen Gibsons from that era that are not great that where the quality yeah. control is, is shocking where they don't play that well where yeah. you know where the, you know even fenders he was saying from that era where the mm. neck doesn't fit properly in the pocket and everyone goes oh you know that's the best year for tellies and well you know you've got to you've got to think about it in in, in terms of right here and right now the ones yeah. that we're looking at are the good ones that people cherished and looked after and have stood the test of time yeah. a lot of the ones that were you know dogs have been recycled years ago and didn't yeah, make it. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Sorry to interrupt this conversation. However, if you've made it this far, you should definitely subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast app. Go and do that now, then come right back. I'll wait here. Hey, welcome back. What do you think is like, the th- what is the threshold for when something becomes vintage? It's time. Is it time? Well, no, it's time. Yeah, right. I thought it was a trick question. <laughs> Brilliant answer. Or is it when Tom Murphy takes one into <laughs> the Murphy lab and puts his stamp on it, then it's immediately vintage? Like if Tom Murphy all of a sudden started to do a rerun of, I don't know, 
Gibson Les Paul Studios from the 1990s, has that then become vintage and desirable? Well, it's a good point. I mean, I think we know what is desirable on the vintage market, but right. I, what I'm asking is where, what what time in history, okay. what age, what, what year in history would you say is the threshold for when the guitar is is classed as a vintage instrument? 30 years? 30 years? Yeah. 30, so, so we're saying an early 90s guitar then. Potentially, yeah. Is now classed as a vintage instrument. Well, I saw one on Reverb earlier this week. I was just browsing yeah. on Reverb and there was an early 90s Gibson Les yeah. Paul classic Mm. And that was being badged as a vintage instrument, yeah. and it was going for two and a half, two thousand seven hundred. Yeah, pretty much stock. Yeah, uh, I think they changed the, the machine heads out. Yeah, um, but in a in a decent way where it hadn't left holes in the in the headstock or anything. And yeah, two thousand seven hundred for a guitar that originally cost nine hundred and ninety nine pounds. Yeah, back in early 90s yeah but it was being sold as a vintage yeah. instrument so I think you're right I think that is where people are saying now vintage exists yeah. and then commanding a higher price tag because it is now deemed vintage well this is the thing you see because I think <clears throat> there's a I, I don't think that those things are lined up I think that the line that says when a guitar is vintage and the line that says the time in, the line in time that says when the price starts going back up again I think there's a gap between the two and that gap mm. is your sweet spot for oh, where you sure. need to be investing like an yeah. 80s strat yeah. an 80s <clears throat> strat I reckon you could still pick up for everyday money yeah. you know, not even vintage yeah. cheap vintage money for probably you could probably pick up an 80s strat for mm. a grand something mm. like that a decent model oh, that'd be worth it because 70s strats are going up in value. 70s strats 70 are. strats are now starting to come up in price. So yeah, they are. why not invest your money now in an 80 strat, yeah. an early yeah. 80 strat, yeah. and then 10 years' time, yeah. you might double your money. Yeah. I think there's this, I, that's what I think. I think there's this this sweet spot of, of as time moves on, mm. stuff falls into that mm. bracket of, okay, now it's worth more because we're now looking at a 40 or 50-year-old instrument. Yeah. But unless you're actually... Because we know there's, there's mm. the holy grail stuff, the 60s and 50s strats, the yeah. late 50s Les yeah. Pauls, the mid-60s, you know, ESs and things like that. That'll never change. Those will always be expensive. Sure. But the other stuff that's getting older and older that isn't the desirable stuff, yeah. its price will still come up once it gets to a certain yeah. historical <clears throat> age. Yeah. You know, so how do you yeah. invest just before that happens to get the most out of it? That's a, well, because there's, there's a lot of those types of guitars at these shops. There is, there is a fair amount. And I, we had a chat to um, James Collins at his uh, yes. stand, right? And he's, he, yeah, he's producing some beautiful guitars. We've talked about him on the show before. And there was a couple of things that we talked about with regards to that, which is we're now getting into an era where people start to, well, kind of remember the guitars from their childhood and want yeah. to start to buy those years. Yeah. So, okay, for, for people like us, kind of middle-aged guys who've got a bit of disposable cash here and, yeah. here and there, you kind of want to go and find. Like I saw, didn't I? I saw an early 90s uh, Gibson Les Paul classic. That's right, the classic, the 1960 classic. Yes. Right. And I said, that was my dream guitar when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. And I've been looking for one of these because it was a plain top with the slim neck and the yeah. open core humbuckers. Yeah. Uh, this one, someone had put bare, knuck bare knuckles in, but it originally came originally with um, 
uh, open open coils. Zebra? Were they zebra or uh, No, they weren't. They were all black. Oh, right. And part of me thinks that they were ceramic as well. I think. I think they used to be ceramic. Really? Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Someone, someone tell us on the show if those 90s runs of Gibson Les Paul Classics came with open coils ceramic pickups. Can't remember. But... Uh, so I've always been looking for that guitar now, but that is considered a vintage instrument. Now. Yeah. So there's that element of it, people wanting to buy what they, yeah. uh, you know, revered as a, as a kid. The other thing is numbers. People go crazy for, for numbers of significance. So he and I are both right. looking for different guitars from a particular year. I, I want a 79 Strat because right. I was born in 79. He wants a 74 <laughs> uh, Tele or something because yeah. he was born in that year. And we both went, they're crap years for those guitars. You know that. We went, yeah, yeah they are. They're rubbish years. But it's of significance to you. Right, isn't exactly. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is that last point, which is certain years have this fabled rightly or wrongly impression that they were good years like with wine right oh, that yeah. was a great year for that great yeah. it's there, the, the, the terroir was just right <laughs> and, and, and the, the, the stars aligned in a particular yeah. way and the fruit just went like yeah. this and, you know, that was a great year for that yeah. you know you hear, hear the same thing about guitars you know probably the same Definitely, people making yeah. them same yeah. stuff off the factory shelf but yeah. you know people comment that was a great year for, for those and that still continues, right? Yeah. The 80s were supposedly crap years for Gibson Les Pauls. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure they, there were some amazing examples yeah. made in those years. You just got to find them. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I think it all comes back down to the fact that pick your budget, play it. Mm. And does it, does it speak to you? Or is it just a beaten up old guitar? Oh, that's all. <laughs> what, what, I guess, what do you intend to do with it? I mean, well, yeah, for me, it's always to play them. There you go. I wouldn't want to own something I didn't want to play. Yeah. I didn't enjoy. I didn't like the sound of or the feel of or oh. it made me feel something when I play it. Well, that's it. You know, that's that it. is the ultimate, isn't it? To, I think you yeah. You know, to, to feel moved by the instrument well, you play. Yeah. And enjoy playing it. Yeah. Otherwise, you've bought it based on an idea yeah. of something. Yeah. And then you're stuck with the hangover of it go of feeling, well, I've spent all this money on something and it still yeah. doesn't really connect with yeah. me. I think that's the number one thing, right? Whenever you go to buy any guitar, irrespective of what price point, yeah. does it speak to you enough? Not to justify its price, but just to, yeah. to be something that you know you're going to play and enjoy playing. Yeah. And, and then if your wallet can accommodate whatever the price is, then, then great. But, you know... I think too many people go out there to buy something because of the idea and the ideology behind it rather than it is something that they're actually going to enjoy playing. Yeah. A, a whole, a whole yeah. load, you know? Yeah. So play it. And if it speaks to you, it speaks to you. Always play it. There you go. Yeah. There you go, man. Next. <laughs> what's the next thing? What we're going to do about? now? What well, we do? well, what's the next thing that from, from today's show, from today's exhibition? Yeah. Because that was the first thing we pretty much saw, wasn't it? Those, yeah, those that, vintage all those vintage instruments. ATB guitars, I think the stand was. Yeah, yeah. Really great stand. A lot of kit, oh. a lot of nice instruments. I'm going to check them out online. Yes. Because um, uh, I'm well, sure we've just spent a lot of time. He invited at... us to come and do an episode of the show down at the store. Yes, in Cheltenham. Uh, yeah. So we might take them up on that and go yeah. down and uh, continue this conversation and go and try a whole bunch one. of stuff and, and have this conversation with them around, yeah. you know, vintage and price points and, and, you know, what makes these guitars worth the money. I think that'd be a great conversation to have yeah. in their store where we can actually try some of this yeah, stuff out in, in a bit of peace and quiet. 
Um, so let's do that. But then, yeah, what next? Where are we going to go this afternoon? What else have we seen that we're excited about? Well, we about? saw the um, Scan Pro Audio. Yes, they are. Big store here. Yeah, exactly. So I think they originally started out as like computer parts, and they've they've grown their business into pro audio as well. And now, now they've just released, and they released it in time for this show. They just released a new range of instruments, a new Mm. brand of instruments, Fairclough guitars. Well remembered, and they're all. They're all in that kind of. uh, What's the word? You silly. Silly money, as in inexpensive. We should say we, we never say cheap. cheap we say affordable or inexpensive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you're looking at 150 quid plus um, for a brand new. That's crazy. Les Paul Strat Telecaster uh, and SG as well. All the basic styles, and they've got some really nice acoustics as well. Um, yeah, I mean, this rivals anything from Harley Benton yeah. like stuff. If you if you were one of those uh, listeners that's into kind of really inexpensive stuff that you yeah. want to learn how to do modding on, or you're just a beginner just starting out, I mean, this is this is the this is yeah. the era to be alive for sure. I mean, we just had a whole conversation about vintage instruments, but for sure now yeah. is the time to have access to this stuff on the market. But I tell you what, these guitars we've just seen from Scan Audio, yeah. Incredible Wilkinson hardware on them. Wilkinson hardware, Wilkinson pickups. Wilkinson pickups. Yeah. Um, really nicely finished. Really, really well finished. Good choices and good colour options as well for, yeah. for, for them being inexpensive. Yeah. Not just the usual red and black or something no. like that. But also what the gentleman told me from Scan, he said, um, all those, they're all shipped out of the UK. Uh, they're manufactured in China. Yeah. But they're shipped out of their warehouse in the UK, and yep. when something is sold, yep. it goes through their own internal setup process first. Yep. And he said it's not just a cursory change the strings, give it no. a dust down. No. He said they they check the the, the nuts filed down properly. They yep. check that everything's been clean. They check the fret ends. Yeah. They make sure everything's so they get. He said you get the equivalent of a 70, 80 pound pro setup. Yeah. On every guitar that leaves, and I think that's shown yeah. because when I I didn't get the chance to play through uh, an amp or anything on them, but mm. I held one of the guitars and had a good inspection of it it felt and looked like something that had been um, set up with you know decent amount of care and attention mm, mm. which for something which because it used to be that you, you equated uh, a cheap instrument or an inexpensive instrument with an entry level for like beginners mm-hmm, guitar mm-hmm. and I think that's yes. still the case obviously yeah to a point yeah but I think there used to then be this thing of well if you're going to then go on to be a musician and perform those guitars aren't suitable for it exactly Maybe for intonation purposes difficulty yeah. um uh you know making sure that they work properly yeah. and poor quality components stuff. i don't think that's the case anymore. i don't think so either i think these guitars are great beginner entry-level guitars yeah that then that range of when it spans into being an intermediate guitar is much longer in terms of your playing career and time span because there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the guitar and the platform itself right yeah. those cheaper guitars you used to buy back in the day were just dogs yeah right and it was fine you got the rudiments of the instrument you learn how to play but they would never stay in tune no matter no. what you did with them no. and they were just basically badly put together cheap they were nasty uncomfortable they were, weren't they a lot of right. time whereas there's nothing yeah. wrong with these guitars and then if you wanted to as you became more proficient or you understood about about tinkering with guitars if you then wanted to put in a better set of tuning machine heads put a bone nut in change some yeah. electronics out 
the basic platform there is still really decent enough for you to do that for it to then become yeah. your guitar for the next few years so yeah. I think that's the thing that's changed they're fundamentally making really good guitars mm. shaving costs where, where needed right yeah. I mean you know you, it's hard to see where they're shaving costs when you've got fully loaded Wilkinson instruments the hardware and pickups it's not, exactly. it's not cheap nasty stuff the finish quality was really good the front yeah. ends were done and they're getting like a you know £100 pro setup before they, they leave oh, there you go you think that's just really good stuff I mean yeah. yeah they're budget guitars for sure yeah but decent really decent yeah but I think I think people should consider them as they're, they're probably still comparable in quality to something that you would usually buy for double the money oh, for yeah. 400 quid well you know the Les Paul that I tried out was arguably as good if not slightly better because it had a decent you know little setup on it even the guitar tech who incidentally used to be Steve Vai's guitar tech really yeah Wow. wow. Pretty cool. That is very cool. It's pretty cool. Um, he said, I haven't played with it that much. I've given it a little tweak here and there, but it yeah. hasn't, it hadn't had one of his full setups because they just got it un- unboxed and ready for yeah. the show today. So he said, it's pretty much as it comes out of the box, but yeah. I've given it a little, t- a little tweak, but it could do with a bit more. He hadn't done a full, full setup on that one. And I would say that was every bit as good as any Epiphone standard that I'd taken really? off the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And it was what? 150 quid. 150 quid. So it's punching. It's punching well above its weight at something that's probably like a three, four hundred yeah. pound guitar. Yeah. Which I agree. you're going, that's not bad at all. I agree. That's I'm excited bad. by those guitars. Yeah. I think, you know what? We've always talked about this on this podcast for a long time about um, how, how excellent the market is in mm. expensive stuff now. Mm. I was worried it was going to get uh, saturated though. Yeah. Um, maybe it is I don't know but these seem like a really good addition mm. um, and I think what's happening is because Scan as, a, as the company that owns that brand I think because they have such extreme buying power yeah, they're be. able to um, you know reduce their costs I think it's probably why they're able to put yeah. in decent hardware well he said they had a good relationship with Wilkinson anyway yeah. so there was a partnership going on there in any case so they're able to yeah. as you say leverage that relationship and purchasing power to yeah. put decent stuff in these yeah. in these guitars Wilkinson, great and Wilkinson are fantastic I mean like, yeah. if you you know for people who don't know Wilkinson are I think a UK brand that have been around for a long time mm. pickups and mm. hardware they're here at the show as well they're Wilkinson. here at the show yeah, that's yeah. right um, they've got a clinic and they make some stuff some you know people like if you buy Pete Thorne oh, if yeah. you buy his signature yeah. um, so guitar which I think is about four and a half thousand pounds mm. um, he's foregone the saw the sir the John sir bridge for a Wilkinson bridge no that's a Wilkinson bridge and he says he prefers the Wilkinson bridge over the the John Sir wow. original because that's how good their hardware is and wow. I, like even my strat my Mexican strat at home is um, an aftermarket Wilkinson mm. bridge, which mm. just feels so much better. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's just got a, a slightly bigger block underneath. Mm. Um, it's just more, it seems to be much more reliable in yeah. maintaining um, the saddle height, even though it's still a vintage style. Mm-hmm. They're just obviously uh, an excellent engineering company. Yeah. They engineer things really well. Well, it's not rocket science if you get the original. Yeah you know, stamping right and you finish yeah. them in the right way. I mean, exactly. it should go onto a guitar and work, right. work in the way it does. Obviously, some stuff is machined cheaply and not yeah. finished properly and it doesn't doesn't That's hold right. up, whereas their stuff seems to, right? That's you know, right. Which is great. So, I've used a bunch of Wilkinson stuff as aftermarket yeah. swap-outs and guitars and it's, it's good. It's like, yeah. it's my go-to budget 
Yeah. Not budget. Budget's the wrong word. It's my go-to kind of mid-range, reliable, yeah. decent quality stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that stuff's been around for a long time as well now. And um, so to, to kind of, I think it goes to show some good decision-making on the mm. on the behalf of um, for this scan mm. who are producing these new guitars, Fairclough guitars. They've obviously done their research and said, well, we can. We know we can get the the basic wooden part of this mm-hmm. instrument made well mm-hmm. in China. Yep. One of the key things for us is going to be making sure the right components are in there. We don't That's it. ruin, you know, what can still be an inherently good instrument with mm. poor quality components mm. just to keep it cheap. That's it. So they've clearly done some um, some thought it through properly at least. Um, I think it speaks volumes really mm. for that guitar. Mm. I'm, I'm interested to see how well they do over the next year or two yep. especially against people like Harley Venter but well, that's again, a picture, isn't it? especially in the UK now you still have, you now have to pay a bit more of a premium for Harley Venter because of the whole Brexit and everything. sure sure you know if you're spending more than a, a hundred quid or so from Tom Man mm. or something you have to pay you know for a hefty amount of import duty so that makes those instruments yeah. less mm. achieve you know less less kind of desirable so to have something like that brand from yep. Scarn Fairclough that's coming in, yep. you know, start shipped from the UK at the same kind of price mm. point as Harley Benton. Well, the other thing it, it offers people in the UK is the opportunity to try it before you buy it. And that's, exactly. you know, I love Tom and, and uh, you know, I order a bunch of stuff from them and great customer service and good yeah. quality products at great great prices and all of that. It sounds like an advert, doesn't it? <laughs> but we're not paying me. We're not no, affiliated. Exactly. But what I would say is the downside is you can't try anything. No. We're not based in Germany, so we can't try any of this stuff out. No. Um, whereas what I liked about today, what we saw with Scan Audio, is got to, I got to try some of it and feel yeah. some of it and pick some of it up and go, oh, yeah. I like the weight of this one. Or oh, uh, this one feels like it's got a nice neck exactly. on it. And can't, can't re- you know, make mm. up for that experience when choosing a guitar, really. No. And I think the other, the other thing that we're benefiting, benefiting from with these Fairclough guitars is the direct-to-consumer sales mm. model because mm. I think a lot of the times if you're in the UK and you're buying from a UK seller, mm. you're often buying from people, you know, like your normal mm. music retailers that are buying from distribution yep. who are buying from yep. manufacturing. Yep. And now you've not got that those extra two links in the chain mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. those these scan them getting them manufactured and, you're, and they're selling them direct to That's consumer it. so it. you're not having to pay for everyone's margin in between mm-hmm. as well to, to bring because I guess that's the thing you're buying from if you go and buy a guitar from Anderton's you're not just buying the guitar you're paying for the margin that's been put onto yep. that through distribution yep. you're paying for the margin that's been put onto that from you know from manufacture that's to it. distribution and yeah. so you, you just you're having to spend money before you get to the instrument. Exactly. Whereas, you know, Scanner obviously being able, they've got the power to be able to take these instruments yeah. straight to the consumer. Cut out, cut out a step in the, in the supply chain. That's, that's right. people money, yeah. yeah. That's a fair point. That's, that's right. a good model. I think it is a good model. Yeah. I think we benefit from it. Yeah. You know, because you could quite easily, like you said, because they stand up well against guitars more expensive. Yeah. You could quite easily slap 50 quid extra on those. I wouldn't have been surprised and, and if they told me that Les Paul was 250 quid and well, they were competing with Epiphones at £400. I would have gone, good on you, good that's price point. Good price it's fine, point. but it's 100 quid less than that, yeah. even more so. And you go, hmm, all right, that's... But then you have to start asking, then you, at that price point, 250 quid instead of 400 
you're asking the customer then to, to say, do I save money for the for, on a brand I don't know? True. Now you have now you're asking them to make a difficult decision about what they want on the headstock. True. Whereas at 150 quid, it's a no-brainer. Just shave, I don't care just shave the headstock, put whatever decal you want on it. <laughs> or, or even just leave it there and say, yeah, but it was, these Fairclough guitars are really good value. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the problem. When you start adding more on and think, well, yeah, it could be worth more. Yeah. It's not just about the price. Yeah, Most people will buy a, th- a 350-pound Epiphone over a <clears> 300-pound <throat> mm-hmm. cart. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they will yeah. because yeah. it's the brand battle. That's and we're right. guitarists and we're terrible for That's right. That's wanting a particular thing to be on our headstock. Of course. Well, we just talked about £300,000 vintage 1960s yeah. Gibsons. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's the first the first topic of conversation. Was <laughs> the most expensive thing we've seen that costs more than my house. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but then again, you know, these things are still relevant, I guess, yeah. if people are yeah. buying them. Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a big thing for me seeing these cool. Fairclough guitars. Lots of guitars at the show this year, more so than I've seen in previous years. And that sounds silly because yeah. it's a guitar show. But what I mean by that is, in previous years, lots more parts uh, manufacturers here. All parts are here today, and yeah. there's uh, six string supplies are here. So there's a, there's a few of the big names yes. with some some um, guitar parts, but there used to be a lot more. Uh, yeah. I think in previous years, which was always a bit of fun to rummage around, but it's, there's a lot of guitars here, which is, a, which is a good thing, but I also miss kind of hunting around and get, leaving with a few little trinkets and stuff. I know. <laughs> Just means I'm going to have to buy a guitar today. I'm going to have to buy a guitar. Yeah. Well, I need to buy something. I think I'm going to go down and see if C6 string supplies potentially. I think you definitely should get one of those harnesses get, get for their, uh, harness for the yeah. pole, I think. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but th- that's the great thing about this show, right? Is yeah. there's a lot of, as well as seeing these fa- fantastic retailers mm-hmm. like ATB Guitars and Scan come and, and really put on big presentations. There's some really cool one-man band type people, yeah. you know, people like James Collins yeah. who yeah. produce some of the nicest guitars you've yeah. ever seen, and there's some people you've never heard of before. Yeah. You know, back of the you know back of the shed kind yeah. of guys. Who was the um, guy that we saw? The guy that, that we saw on the Viking stuff. The guy from York. Oh, oh, man. Man. Anthony was his name. His name was Anthony. That's right. Was it Fourth Dimension? Uh, Fourth Avenue guitars. Fourth Avenue. Uh, made to be played is his uh, tagline on his card. That was one of the most exciting guitars I've seen in a long time. The um, kind of. Gibson esque junior type thing. It was like a Les Paul junior type single pickup. Um, but as a as a kind of an example of his building abilities. Wow. It was really quite something breathtaking. Even, even to the soldering inside that cavity. Yeah, it was it, meticulous. It was it was perfect. Wasn't Meti- it? Meticulous, as you'd expect. Yeah. But reasonably priced. Uh, for the amount of workmanship in it. Yeah. Premium stuff throughout, right? You yeah. know, the Goto hardware on it was just sublime, top-of-the-range stuff. Hand-wound pickup that he'd wound himself with a custom wooden uh, pickup cover. Yeah. All exotic tone words, you know, impeccable fretwork, just attention to detail beyond yes. belief, but then loads of little creative nuances and touches like the... Scratch plate exactly was made of upcycled black piano keys that had been glued together yeah. and fashioned into a, a into a single sheet of oh. 
just yeah, just great. It just looked incredible. Craftsmanship. Yeah, superb guitar, and and they all come. All of his guitars come with these beautiful, bespoke, one-off guitar wooden stands, stands yeah. that almost molds itself around and cradles the guitar yeah. to make this entire art piece of yeah. the guitar and the stand together in harmony. That's right. As a real visual impact of, of it's really know, the, it's the polar opposite of everything we've just been talking about <sighs> about Fircliffe, this Fircliffe guitar. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. He, Anthony's clearly an artist and I'm sure that he would apply the same skill and thought and and craftsmanship and uh, just just fantastic design Mm -hmm. and art to anything Mm -hmm. that he did. It just so happens that it's luthiery that he's he's doing. And I mean, I tried two of his guitars, the fan fret one, which was utterly just amazing to play. Silky, I think you said. Oh, just effortless. I I forgot it was a fan fret. Actually quite impressed. Yeah. How it feels to play a fan fret. It's not that big of a fan. Sure. It's, it's basically a Gibson scale length and a Fender scale length together, kind of thing. But that was just a joy to play mm. and a beautiful bit of design because mm. it was basically a, a, a through neck um, but no body. And so what he's done is the veneers that he put on the top and the bottom, he's kind of cur- curved them mm. down around that. Yeah. that through body part of the neck and, and kind of connected them either side. Yes. Kind of a Strat style shape. Sure. You know, maybe more of an RG, Ibanez kind of yes, shape. Yes, very much so. But, um, uh, but, but it meant that you had this completely almost empty body that you could look through from yeah. top to bottom yeah. around yeah. it and it just felt so light and comfortable to play. It was light, it was incredibly light. Yeah, so I just, what, just exciting designs he was coming up with. Mm. Even down to things like leather bound guitars, copper, like hand guitar, beaten out of copper. Hand beaten out 335 style was like, exactly. yeah, hand beaten out of copper with metal rivets. Metal I said it's a post apocalyptic kind of Mad Max, uh, style. Mad Max yeah. style, but he corrected me quite rightly there, all kind of Viking inspired, so yeah. kind of Norse influence kind right. of thing going on. Very cool, very That's cool right. guitars. I want to go and have a look at some more stuff, man. I know, yeah, so do I. Yeah, um, you ready? You fired up and ready to go. Should we again? do it? Should we do yeah. it? I mean, yeah, let's do it. Let's go and have a fantastic. Little, little yeah, we've got a good refreshment break. So. Absolutely. Well, let's leave it there then. And, um, let's go and have a look at some more stuff. Nice. All right, buddy. Speak to you in a bit. Speak to you in a bit. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to go and give those new guitar luthiers and guitar stores a like and a follow on social media. If you like what you hear, then remember there are 64 other episodes going back almost two years that you can check out where we talk about things like how to set up your guitar, the best budget guitar amps, music theory, practicing. We've even got a Guitar Smarts pub quiz somewhere. Go and enjoy them. Anyway, best wishes and see you next time on the Guitar Smarts podcast.